Welcome to Status Quo. I have no idea what's going on with Quo. My name's Cameron, and this is the ERN Podcast. (laughs) I'm joined today by John, Anna, and Emma. Welcome to the ERN Podcast, Emma. Hello, glad to be here. Cool. And And John, John hasn't been here before yet. Yeah, and welcome John, too. Hello. Hi. We actually... Funny enough, we mentioned uh, John on the last episode, and we managed to pull him into this one. <laughs> uh, do I want to know? Do I want to know what you said last time? I think they were making fun of you for. Uh, we're not not making fun, just poking fun at uh, you finding <laughs> bugs in software. <laughs> yes, I am the unofficial bug finder. Of we were talking of about how how useful you are for for breaking our software for us. Gift that keeps on giving. Anyway, so this episode of the ERN podcast is sponsored by WACN Technologies, as usual. But is it, though? <laughs> I would hope so. You're the one who owns WACN Technologies. What do I have to pay you? I don't even know. Your presence. Uh, well, what if I don't do that? What if I go away? I don't know. Anyway, so what yeah, Marley is here today. Marley had, a, Marley had some uh, events pop up last minute. She'll be here next week. But anyway, so I think we should get right to it. Uh, this episode will be more of a news-oriented one like the first episode. So we'll just start off right off the bat. So news in EAS. Uh, no national EAS test in 2022. Yeah. Um, they, they were saying that's because uh, they're working on making a better system for, um, for what was it? Um, was it like recording like data ma- making sure that things actually did what they're supposed to do yeah i think i, think I saw also, that too i i also think i heard they're gonna make a more a uh, better way to like report for public usage like with uh yeah with the we attest yeah because i know that do. was that was they're one gonna... thing that they wanted to do after the last national test especially mm-hmm. on we <laughs> what if what if they're what if they're what if they're juking us? They're saying there's no national test, but then like suddenly test. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's, it's an unexpected test. I guess that's I, the real test. Yeah. That is the for bonus points test. for bonus points, unexpected live code EAN test. Ah. Yeah, exactly. It's like the, <laughs> the fire drills in school that they didn't tell the students about. <laughs> mm-hmm. We, we had fire, we had freaking fire tests uh, in my school that literally they wouldn't even tell the teachers about. So whenever the fire alarm went off, we would get the full brunt of teacher-student freakout. And it was hilarious. Oh, that yeah. Happened. So, uh, yeah, I got, a, I got a good story about that, actually. So uh, there was one time. So my school uh, was adding an addition over the past couple of years. And uh, they were still trying to set up uh, the fire equipment in the uh, welding room of our school. And they didn't set something up correctly. So it went off in the middle of the day, like in the middle of only like second period. So really early in the morning for some people. (laughs) And uh, so everyone evacuates the building. We all go in, right? So literally not even joking. 30 seconds after people started entering the building, it went off again. Same alarm. And let's just say it was rinse and repeat like four or five times. But each time we had to evacuate again because it was another <laughs> it was another alarm. So that happened at my school, except uh, when they pulled the alarm for the drill, they broke the little 
thing that comes down so it wouldn't properly reset. And how it works at my school district is that they have to call the fire department if it's not a drill. And so oh, all the time, all the time during the school day, it would just randomly go off and they would have to like go on the PA and be like, ignore the alarm. There's nothing actually happening. And so it happened ignore during a glaringly the, loud alarm. It, it, it's it a, was EST and it happened during dismissal too. Like it happened exactly when everyone was leaving the building for dismissal. So absolute chaos. <laughs> Good time. I guess though. the, I guess I guess tests are more effective though when it's random. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's something that uh, FEMA or FCC could do for EAS tests. That would be interesting. Well, they should. What what I feel like they should do is well, they they already have codes that they can use. Like they have the national silent test. Hmm. Uh. So it's like they they could just randomly through the year have a system that will just. Hey, it's a random time in the year. We're just going to send an NST. Yeah. Um, which it just have like 30 seconds of silence in there. Or actually more like 10. 10 would be more proper. So it's just like header, 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 attention, tone, 10 seconds of silence, EOM, EOM, EOM. And it's just yeah. like that that would that would work. Just have it random. We don't know whenever it's gonna happen. No one knows when it's gonna happen. It just happens. That yeah, would be, it would be a, awesome if it would be kind of like a like a randomly generated like RWT, but instead it's an NST. So yeah, and it's just biggest, once a year. That would be really the, cool. The biggest concern I have of that is especially in some visual broadcast settings where like if it is like a primary entry point type test, and people would like it should at least be known that it is a test. Like at least like it would say that it is a test because yeah. if there's nothing there for ten seconds, it's probably not the best well, because people um, get confused as heck the the alert translation is national silent test so test is in the name mm. at least it should be it should at mm. least be said in a in an mm. audio type standpoint as well because it most because like yes it's supposed to be meant to be visual and audio so it would mm. be best to say like it this is a silent test this is only a test type of thing yeah yeah that'd be interesting but, I w- the following is a silent test of the emergency <laughs> alert system bert yep yeah, I, I feel like it would be definitely an interesting way. I mean, I know probably it won't happen, but I feel like it would be a great way to test the system in a more yeah. logical sense, just because then you can get like the real because if there was an EAN, no one would know when it would happen. Uh, you uh, actually a better code is the NAT code, the National Audible Test. Yeah, There's that one, too. It's like they have these two codes. They're kind of kind of exist in the protocol like um some some encoders actually do include them um some don't are they uh are they apps are they approved by the fcc like are they actually mandated on the code i think or are they not no i think they were but they aren't anymore probably decommissioned codes yeah but it's like they they could easily just implement them again yeah exactly because i'm still i'm yeah. sure most decode like index nowadays still have them in there just in case it comes back mm-hmm. plus with a lot um, of digital index it's just a software update it's fixed hey i i know that my software index has them <laughs> wacn <laughs> technologies index yeah go check it out you can't get it but check it out anyway there's nowhere <laughs> to check it out but you know check it out anyway i really need to make a website for that thing you already have a website for the thingy i need to make Both a better website for the thingy because well, yeah, you, you, you could check out the current website at uh, what is it? Uh, ACRN dot 
Network. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That sounds right. Well, <laughs> you can tell how how much we we sponsor ERN, judging how ERN hosts us. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a reverse sponsorship. The ultimate double standard. Mutually beneficial sponsorship. Yeah, exactly. It's so so much sponsor that both sponsor each other. <laughs> yeah. I am I am sponsored with existence. You guys spawn. I sponsor you with uh, code. With three with three things that go beep. Yes. Yeah, Although anyways, I could speak. I could start charging you, but at a discount. I'll charge you one dollar, but you only need to pay fifty cents. How do you do that through PayPal? It's the employee bro? discount. You don't. <laughs> Yeah, so I know I know I didn't put this in the uh, in the rundown, so this might be a little expe- unexpected for you guys. But uh, so for the viewers, I actually reached out to Daz about the Dazic three, and we do have a launch date. Yes, I think. Yeah. Oh. June first. Yes. Um, June. Uh, is uh, June first is when more information away? will come out. They said that they will have an informational packet. We'll cover that on the ERN podcast. So stay um, tuned for that. They said they'll have an informational in, packet, and um, it's going to release saying. on their site on June first. Like it's mm-hmm. the formal launch date. Yep, so, that's what that's yeah. what I, that's what they were telling me. But here's the thing: who would need the DAS Deck three? Like, who would need it? We do uh, at my radio station. <laughs> yeah, desperately. Um, we um, honestly, um, the only benefits. The only people I think that the DAS three benefits right now is um, cable stations. Yeah, which makes sense because that is their biggest market because it allows them to actually remove quite a bit of their um, their um, SD yeah, to yeah, HD gear. Yeah, the the SD to HD gear, the upscaling for for that. If, if they're using the DAS to generate those scrolls, um, mm-hmm. right now they have to do like a like the the DAS two and DAS one generates a standard in, a standard definition image, but the DAS three generates a um, an HD image using HDMI, which is way easier to plug into to equipment nowadays than yeah. or even convert to like SDI. It's way easier. Mm-hmm. So I love I love to see Cox get that instead of their god awful scrolls and audio. Oh my gosh. We don't talk about those. You yeah, haven't lived until you've heard Cox EAS. It's just abysmal. Yep. Yeah. So that's going to yeah, be three. Yeah, Daz3, stay tuned for that. We will cover it right here on the uh, ERN podcast. So hit the subscribe button on whatever you listen to your podcasts on, and we'll get it within the next couple weeks. Yeah. That'll be an exciting get, one to you cover. May even get a, uh, you may even get an early adopter radio station here. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, Daz. We got a customer for you. <laughs> anyway, so so let's uh, let's move on to our next topic here. This is more geared toward Anna. So in the last episode, you may remember that Anna was rebuilding the stage in the middle of the podcast <laughs> recording. Yes. You you it worked successful. Yeah. So in in that podcast, right before the podcast, I completely took apart the stage because I was making sure all the components were in good quality. They were. I might recap the thing later, but other than that, it seems fine. But um, I teamed up with another person in ERN, um, Lawson, 
and we I, I bought him a ROM reader, and we managed to um, get the the ROM read of his Sage and rebuild it on my end because the ROM on my Sage was actually missing. Um, and it's an older ROM. It, it's not their newest ROM, but uh, yeah, it actually worked. We managed to boot up the Sage, and it had all the newest settings. Or it had all the old settings of the old station that had it. And um, yeah. I pulled the settings and we have them all saved. I just need a new clock battery and this Sage will be good as new. What the, uh, yeah, and you, station you said you got it from a o uh, WOKW, right? Yes, WOKW in Pennsylvania. Um, nice. Uh, I have their settings. They had some pretty interesting settings like... Um, for example, tornado was under like a civil filter instead of like weather, but it's very obviously weather. I have no idea why, but it just is. Um, interesting. Yeah. Also, they never had to relay any tornado warnings. <laughs> well, it's Pennsylvania. <laughs> they most likely did. Yeah. <laughs> they probably did yesterday too. This station is based northeast of Pittsburgh, actually. Yeah. So who knows? Uh, I don't know what they have now. I'm going to guess blue box. Um, because they replaced a gray box and yeah, it works. I'm surprised. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. I may actually be able to, um, if you, uh, be able to tell you what they've got. Hey, uh, Anna, <laughs> if you actually want to find out W A O K W is actually a streamer. Oh, nice. I'll have so, to check that out later. Shove find out next week. Let's find out next week on the ERN podcast. Oh, what the answer yeah, is. Yeah. No, I Face your bets. I can actually give you the answer this week on the ERN podcast. Uh, they do have a blue box. Hey. Look at that. Look <laughs> at that drop-in replacement. Good job, Sage. Yeah, I mean, exactly. To be fair, to be fair, the, the the gray box is a really good index, but like after they stopped supporting it, the blue box was a really good upgrade. I mean, I think you could actually migrate your settings from one to the other, I think. If you have um, the right ROM. Yeah. Not there Kinda. is no migration tool, but you can just easily duplicate your settings on index set yeah. D and just load it onto the index. Yeah, it's actually quite efficient. Which is good for Sage, though, considering that it's yeah. really hey, it's just plug and play. Um, one thing that will be interesting, though, is hey, Cam, whenever they yeah. release the uh, the DAS three, they're also going to be releasing the um, the or they probably will release the version five firmware. You have Ooh. a DAS deck. I might have to reach out to them and see if we can get the software update. Yeah. So we can uh, we might be able to do like a an in-depth look at the at the version five software for Yeah, that'd be the, um, for the DAS deck two. Yeah, I've, I've um, seen I've seen quite a few things. I think yeah. it'd be so, I think it's more of just one of those you just kinda of have to poke around and see. Yeah, the sixth they they're the first thing that they're doing, which is a sigh of relief for me, is they're finally upgrading the OS to sixty four bit, which is much needed. Uh, the OS that they have been using was like CentOS nine thirty two bit, which is ancient, and they they said that they're upgrading to sixty four bit. I don't know what direct operating system they're updating to. I know it is CentOS or no. no. It has to be a rel based, and it is 64-bit. So either we're looking at a newer version of CentOS, newer version of Red Hat, or maybe even Fedora. Um, yeah, or possibly, it, it, or possibly um, Rocky, 
that new um, community-led attempt to kind of duplicate what CentOS was. Yeah. Um, it All I know is it's 64-bit, and it's probably RHEL-based because they all have been RHEL-based. Um, RPM life, else. baby. Another yeah. big bonus of the new upgrade is that they're upgrading the uh, user interface to be slightly more reasonable, which is probably a good thing because yeah. the old one was, in my opinion, pretty bad. In my opinion, um, you get used to it old, after a while. I'll tell you that yeah. it was it was an it was an old UI. It was meant for being good, but like now with our modern way of like making everything rounded, I mean, modern philosophies. Yeah. I feel I feel like, in my opinion. It's kind of the exact same as the old, but just reskinned. And yeah. I would have, I would have preferred a full refresh. That like, is, um, yeah. they they have some bits of software um, that they released for other units. Like there, there's the unit that basically is a Raspberry Pi in a box that I think it controls like an automatic switcher or something. That UI looks clean. Like it, it's quite beautifully clean. Like. That I, I would have loved to see a UI like that on the on the DAS deck. And I know the login screen for that one is the exact same. So it's like, why didn't they? It yeah, would have looked way it. better. I feel like it, it might be because of how they're doing it. Um, because I feel like honestly what they probably did was an actual just a refresh. Because they actually said they wanted it to be somewhat similar. But yeah. I don't know. I would like at least an option for a newer, like completely redone UI that that's just more efficient because yeah. like in my opinion, the, the original DAS and from what looks like the, the new um, setting setup, it, it, it feels clunky to me. Mm-hmm. Like there are also some things that I would like, for example, um, like one of the things is on the DAS firmware uh, on the software. If you wanted to encode a demo encoded alert from like the um, the sent or the outgoing page, whatever it's called, you need to go to a oh, specific yeah. tab to even get that button. Why can't it be in all of them? You know, yeah, it's, it's small things like that. So yeah, yeah, I've toyed around I with mean, it a little bit. Well, they also did say it. All of that was quite experimental so it might be changing who knows it'll be interesting to see what happens they're just gonna hit us with a complete design refresh and just Mm -hmm. it's gonna look amazing yeah it's gonna look it's gonna look like like in my opinion i feel like more more index that use web pages should look like uh the blue box the blue box's web interface is like it's quite old but it looks modern. Like, yeah. The, if you look, their interface really hasn't changed all that much since the blue box's release. It's just every time they've added on a new feature, it just gets added into the web page. But it still looks relatively modern. It's an elegant interface for a more civilized age. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but. Yeah, I, w- I would like to see something like that from Daz. If not, like, hey, Daz, you, you should reach out to-, to software developers so we can make, like, a-, a-, a new skin, you know? Like, imagine that. It's like a new new tab, like, subdivision part where you can, like, update upload a skin to the Daz. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> that would be cool. I mean, that'd be cool. Yeah. Like that's more I of mean, an the, enthusiast perspective, but yeah. Which I mean, are. imagine, imagine if you could have like a, a drop down menu for everything. Like you, that's uh, one thing I wish Daz had like, is a lot more yeah. drop down menus for like yeah. just options that are all the same. Yeah. Um, I feel like the DAS could also have a refresh with the UI for their settings because at this point there's so many settings. Like, like for an example, one thing that I was talking about earlier in in a separate server was um, a lot of stations nowadays um, that have DAS decks, they have all the settings set to default because mm-hmm. honestly a lot of people don't know how to use the DASDEC interface. And it doesn't help that the more features that they add on, they're kind of just dropping them into the interface. They're not giving you a super great explanation for what they do. Um, mm-hmm. Like, for for some things in the manual, it's like, how vague can we make this? <laughs> it's it, like, at least, at least DAS support like, is really good. Yeah, DAS support is really, great, uh, but if you really want to know how bad the internet is, sometimes there's a DC station that still has the default call sign of just DAS deck. Yeah, it <laughs> um, happens. But I, in uh, yeah, in my experience, like once in a blue moon, you're gonna run across like a blue box or an easy that still has its default sender ID and whatnot. But I definitely feel like if I'm going to run into that scenario, like nine times out of ten, it's going to be DASDAC. <laughs> yeah. Um, for example, like most of it is DASDAC because it's like the menu, there's so many menus, it's ridiculous. I like less menus and more explanations. For, for an example, on the vague explanation, if you look at the manual for TDX audio, it just says, click this button to turn on TDX audio and doesn't explain what TDX audio is. <laughs> TDX is actually really cool, though. But it's it like, is, yeah. I, I would have liked a better explanation for what it was. Because like we didn't know. Do. Yeah, we didn't know what it did until Cam turned it on. Um, yeah. Because other than that, it's just like, yeah, this button turns on TDX. What is it? Mm-hmm. Like if you put in, yeah. if you put in TDX on Wikipedia, if you put in TDX on Wikipedia, you get an Alaska Native Corporation on Saint Paul Island. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I would like is um, have it so. Let's say you hover your mouse over it. Over it, it can give you like an explanation, like a little pop up that will give you an explanation. For example. I've been screwing around with 3D printing lately. There was a plugin that I got for Cura, which is a 3D model slicer. That All it does is it does that. It um, In your settings options, it will give you um, descriptions for what each setting does. And it is actually the most useful thing I've ever done. Because like I was, I was sitting here messing around with a setting called Jerk, not knowing what Jerk was. And then I installed this software. Um, hovered my mouse over it, and it has a full-on explanation. This is what Jerk is. And if it doesn't give you enough area for that explanation, it just gives you a little button. Click here to learn more. And it will take you to a link that you can read on for what that actually does. For something like 
TDX or Halo, that would be really cool. Um, because, like, Halo is another one of those things that it's like, we don't know a lot about. Um, I know a bit about it because I actually hunted down, like, it took me half an hour to find documents that properly explain what it was, but it's like, Halo, it's, it's like, um, the way that Gabe explained it is it's, it, it's like a virtual machine, um, management interface, but for DAS decks. Yes. But, and that's what I've heard is you can manage multiple DAS decks a little easier. Yeah. You know what's but uh you wouldn't really know that because they don't tell you. You know what's really funny about you talking about this is that Sage thought of that years ago. They already thought of that years ago. Yeah. On the end on on the index set, and I probably believe the index set D program to the right of the save button, there's like a little mouse and a question mark. If you click that and click on any setting on the edX set application it yeah. will tell you like it's like a whole like box of like information like i can click on like one of them like the call sign and it's like the call sign sent by the edX you can set this to any characters and letters including dots and stuff like that and like it says if you have multiple stations you can go to the msrp tab and uh adjust yeah. it that way as well something they thought like, of that yeah imagine <laughs> something that. like that but for the web interface on the DAS deck, that would be the most helpful thing ever. And I, I hope that they do something like that. Um, knowing DAS, they probably won't. But, you know, hey, if anybody from DAS is listening to this stream, there is an idea. Please, for the love of God, do that. <laughs> I still don't know some of the settings on the DAS, and I've been screwing around with DAS for years now. Like, I think I kind of got it. Yeah. I'm getting there. Not not all of them, though. Yeah. Some of them are, like, extremely vague. At yeah, least... A, a little extra documentation yeah. would be nice. At least on, like, some of the more, like, niche ones. I'll give Daz one thing. They have better documentation than Trilithic did for the Easy Plus. Because... Trilithic literally would have documentation. Like, first of all, they didn't update their documentation so far as I saw from version five. The Easy Plus um, systems ended at version 8.09.2, and they hadn't updated the documentation from 0.5 or the 5.0, which tells you a little bit of how outdated their documentation was. Like, literally, their their documentation would have buttons that did not correspond co correspond ah words to the actual software you were using and yeah. even better they would have buttons that didn't exist or straight up documentation for areas that didn't exist on the encoder anymore it was a separate daughter board that they didn't tell you was part of a separate daughter board for example um one option on the easy plus was um, remote GPI, which is input. So you've got two different kinds of general purpose IO, which is GPIO. You've got input and you've got output. Most things are output. That is like you, you send a signal on that output and you can like control a relay or something like that. General purpose input tends to be a little bit more useful though, because um, for example, that is on your Sage, the manual override, where you can send a signal on that and send a weekly. 
or you can send a signal on that, and I think you can cancel an alert. I don't know. Point is, general purpose input allows you to remotely control the, the encoder. And they have documentation in the EASY's manual for general purpose input. Do this to control the general purpose input. They don't tell you it's part of a card you can't get. <laughs> yeah. And I've heard like, that before. Yeah, that's, before, that's why I've been... This. I've been hunting down one of those GPI cards because I've only ever seen like three easy pluses with them on them, with them on there. And every time I've seen them, they're like way expensive, mm -hmm. but it's like GPI would be super helpful. For example, Evan, um, has a GPI, um, card and he used it with his amateur radio club where he actually teamed up with his amateur radio club to create a bit of software to link the entire <clears throat> repeater net. But what it would do is he could use a GPI hold off on the easy. Basically, it was a little um, he had a little switch hooked up to his transmitter. So it's like for X amount of seconds, hold um, hold this switch closed. And what it would do is it would not send an alert until like 10 seconds of dead air. But, um, and then it would, it would come on and say, um, this is his call sign. Please stand by for an emergency alert message. And it would play the alerts without sending the headers over That's the cool. thing using GPI. Like it, it was incredibly complex and amazing. And like, that would be really cool. But it's yeah. like, they didn't tell you as part of a separate card. They just tell you how to set it up in the software to a software that doesn't exist anymore. It's that's yeah, at least better than that. Especially working in a TV station myself, definitely a lot more products could have documentation. Yes. Documentation but is key. It really yeah. is, especially you got to you, you always got to like if you're like a hardware or software company, you always got to assume that the person on the other side will not understand a word you're saying. Mm -hmm. Because speaking from experience of working at a radio station, they didn't understand it until I came in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whenever <clears throat> Emma showed up, um, their Gorman Redlick box was off. Yeah, and had <laughs> been for four and a half years. Yeah. Ooh, and they didn't realize it because nobody told them. And they didn't understand. Mm. Speaking of Emma's Gorman Redlick box. <laughs> yep. So Emma was actually telling us about this uh, a couple days ago, actually. So legacy GR cap decks sometimes will not receive alert ready alerts correctly. And their response was too long of a message. Yeah, that is the word that I got from uh, Gorman Reddick's tech support. I've been exchanging emails with them for a while now because I noticed that the software on our GR cap deck at my radio station, um, the radio station I work at, Civil Radio, would crash every so often. And like, I, I, it, it makes no sense to me. Truth be told, like, I, I, as far when I think of buffer overflows, I think of like the the, I, I think of like the kill screens in Pac Man, not a cap deck. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, if they're having a buffer overflow, that actually tells you that the GR soft the GR Captec software isn't actually designed all that great 
because if you're designing a cap software from some, this is, this is taking it from somebody who has designed a cap software, you want to make sure that instances like that cannot happen. You need your box to be able to run 24 seven, 365, no problems whatsoever, because it is designed to warn people about like life safety alerts. You don't want that to fail whenever it is needed most. Mm-hmm. Or else um, you're going to, at the minimum, you're going to not serve the public interest. And you're mm-hmm. certainly, if you're particularly unaware, going to end up like how, like they were with a non-functional unit for four and a half years. Here, uh, Here's one thing that kind of terrifies me. What if they use the alert ready in that time for something like incredibly dangerous? Let's say... Um, uh, I don't know if there's any nuclear power plants up there, but let's say one, Not there here. is one, let's say theoretically there is one and it malfunctioned. Let's say somebody was tuning in to civil radio, listening to their amazing music or whatnot, <laughs> listening to Emma on the, on the air, doing Emma things on the air. Um, and they didn't know that their index was, or their cap unit was basically dead. Basically, they could they could activate alert ready, not even and then civil wouldn't even realize that they're not sending the message. Somebody's tuned in. They don't realize that the message was sent. Yes, I know we've got cell phones, but occasionally you're not looking at your cell phone. Your cell phone could be off. It could be dead. Let's say you're in a park and your cell phone's in your car driving. Yeah. You would not be able to tell that. And suddenly you now have a whole bunch of people who have not heard this alert. They could be in a life-threatening situation, all because somebody somewhere designed a software poorly. Yeah, because here, so, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This was after I came in, so the box was working by then, but... <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> but in, uh, in no- last November, we had a really catastrophic flooding event here in the Fraser Valley. We had the, the, the scientific term is an atmo- is a series of atmospheric rivers. Basically the heavens opened up above us for days straight and completely flooded out a huge amount of land that, um, that on very short notice, people had to evacuate. I mean, even I very nearly, very nearly found myself uh, getting a firsthand taste of turn around, don't drown along the way. And now granted, the province never actually activated alert ready for that, for which they received a lot of grief and they have changed that more on that in a bit, thankfully. Um, But that's exactly the sort of situation that, like you're talking about, Anna, there could very well be there could very well be lives lost if we aren't able to relay alerts because we have a non-functioning unit and don't even realize it. Because here's the thing: our cap deck right now lives at the transmitter site, and there is no there other than other than emails that I've set up since I came here. There's no way for the box to tell us that it's doing anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's extremely concerning because I know that we're certainly not the only station that le- just sets up the EAS or NPAS box at the transmitter and forgets about it. 
it makes me wonder how many stations in both the U.S. and Canada that have failed boxes like that. I've heard from many people that uh, the Gorman Rudlick boxes have these issues just commonly. Uh, I mean, John has a Gorman Rudlick box and he doesn't even use it because it's so inconsistent. It's also very difficult to maintain sometimes. I'll just randomly have a connection concerns. Yeah, Yeah, because at that point, it should just be like a turn it back into Gorman Rudlick and have it fixed. I mean, that's just a public safety hazard. Well, the the issue is that it sometimes sounds like Gorman Redlick doesn't even know what's wrong with it. And I feel like that's an issue. Because <laughs> they pretty... It, the way they phrased the email to me, they, the... I'll just pull the email up here and and quote it. I don't it even was from, know... I hmm? don't even know how the GR got past the FCC testing. I have no clue how they got past it, but... <laughs> I don't well, know, they only but... needed it to work for like two days. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and to be uh, fair, it does work that um, that long. Um, <laughs> yeah, the exact email, the exact email that I the the email that I received, the exact quote was. Let me see. Yes. Um, <laughs> they were still trying to chase down what could be causing the issue that I'm seeing. They can't duplicate the issue exactly here, so they're having to inspect quite a bit of code for possible causes. <laughs> they wow. don't. They don't really even know where to look. <laughs> yeah. Which is at that point, just rewrite the software. At that point, rewrite the software. At that point, like they're they're so dependent on Windows. And this is quite literally one of, this isn't just me talking from a Linux standpoint because I like Linux, but like I'm not even running Linux right now. I'm running on a Mac and I can tell you anything is better than Windows for this. Like Mac is better than Windows for this. Linux is honestly the best because you could, you can trim down all your software to run minimally stuff. You don't need a web browser. Get rid of that. You can use SSH for a login. Um, or you can course? use DW service, um, which what is free compared to TeamViewer, what, like what they like to use. You don't need Windows. You don't need um, a larger C drive. You can run it off of a thumb drive. Um, What's yeah. uh... What's that, worse about the uh, the GR Cap Deck is not only does it run on Windows, it runs on Windows 10. Well, mine runs on Windows 10, and it's a 32-bit OS, so it's excruciatingly slow. Ours yeah. uh, ours runs on Windows 10 as well, but I'm not certain. Uh, I'm actually going to log into it here while I talk, since I do have DW service installed on ours now. Because isn't that a more recent thing where you could upgrade to Windows 10? Oh no, they had to do it because they yeah. they stopped supporting Windows Seven, so yeah, any so security flaws were... in Windows Seven would still be applied to all the cap decks. Uh, yes, but... originally, uh, originally these all ran on Seven, but mm-hmm. I'm looking in here. 
Oh, makes it makes okay. me wonder literally, if it's something to do with the upgrade between seven to ten that could have messed with it. I could probably consider that to be true because it literally takes so long to do anything on that box. Like, it takes so long to like launch the program and download audio and like change everything. It's just it's so slow. Yeah. Which might be what's causing the TTS hiccup is it's just timing out or some crazy stupid issue with it. It's causing the TTS to just die. At that point, just get a DAS deck. Just use the cap on that. I only just reached the I only just reached the about page during that whole period that you were talking, John, (laughs) was from the was from me logging in to finally getting here and. It's yes, a, ours is a ours is a 32-bit OS install on a 64-bit processor. But the thing, <laughs> but the thing that I think really gets to me that really kind of um, is it the that really brings home just how slow it is. Not only is it running a full tilt edition of Windows 10 Home, it's doing so on one gig of RAM. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Which ouch. Here, here's the thing: if you run this software on Linux. It, this even the cap deck would be pretty fast on mm-hmm. Linux. Like, I mean, look at the DAS deck. The DAS deck is decently fast, and it runs mm-hmm. on similar hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, it runs a 32-bit OS on a 64-bit chip. I mean, the DAS deck isn't a speed demon. I'll I'll give it that. It's not. It's not. It's not fast. built for it. it. Yeah, it's not built for it. But it's built to run constantly, and it's it built does that. It doesn't like I have yet to see a DAS deck actually have like a proper issue with like just going down randomly like the cap. Yeah, because I got I got my DAS deck, uh, what, like two, two months ago, maybe. Yeah. And it's been running since. Yeah, I, I'm not saying off. Yeah, I'm not saying DAS decks are the king of index, but they're certainly up there. Like the biggest the uh, the biggest yeah things you should always have on an EAS or uh, Canadian type system is that one, it's durable. Two, it has almost 100% uptime, if not 100%. And three, it should always work regardless of if you like, you know, small errors. It should always have a failsafe because failsafes yeah. are important. I mean, that that's what I was aiming for with my uh, software cap deck. Um, I was aiming for 100% uptime, which John can vouch that that is not true. <laughs> it's close. It's close. It's, but It's close, but we're getting closer. Um, I need to rewrite it, but it, it's let's just, let's just put out there on the record that uh, Anna's cap deck is not related to the Gorman Redlick. <laughs> no, it's, not it's even better close. than the Gorman Redlick. They might yeah. have the same name, but they're not the same. <laughs> I want to side note something about the Sage right here that I have, uh, my 1822. It has only broken once, and that was because of my fault, because the power supply died. Other than that, this Sage has not had a single hardware problem whatsoever. At mm-hmm. all. <laughs> the TFT, just- on the other hand... <laughs> I blew the fuse on by accident. Sorry, sorry, David. I blew the fuse, but I had to, you know, gotta get a spare one. The uh, Gorman, I mean, on I the other hand, Gorman, on the other hand, it, it, it's upside down on the top of the rack right now. Like, if the cap deck's upside down right now, uh, it's powered off. Yep. Right. I mean the um, the eighteen twenty two and uh, the TFT in the room with me here. I've owned both of them for going on five years now, and they have been completely bulletproof. 
Yeah. I mean, the show that works. I mean, I, I honestly wish TFT was around and that their uh, 911 Plus was actually released, uh, which I have confirmed. It has not, it was, it hadn't been released to the public before they went defunct. But I mean, the TFT is like one of the most bulletproof encoders that I've ever was it, seen. Uh, was the 911 mm-hmm. Plus ever built? Like, did they ever build it? Uh, they, they had to at least build one or two, but they never actually sold them. I feel like they may have had more than that because they would have been ramping you up know, production uh, you, uh, production for whenever it actually got released, but it never got released. You know where but, I bet there's probably one currently? Hmm. Probably defunct still? The iPods Lab in Maryland. In the, in Maryland, the iPods I would Lab. love to tour that place. I would love to tour there too. I got to find yeah. someone who can get me in contact with that place because I know yeah. people who probably could. So, but for example... The two TFTs that I have here, um, the 911D, this thing, I got it and literally parts of it inside had literally fried, yet it still worked flawlessly. <laughs> like the screen had been completely fried. Um, there were resistors that had literally on the inside of the unit caught fire, yet the unit still works without any flaws. It's like, that is what I want to see from all the manufacturers a unit that yeah. can literally catch on fire and keep working um this other 911 like its voice recorder chip was all kinds of bent up and and like damaged i fixed the bends and it works flawlessly like the fact that that had a damaged card in it and just a little bit of a little bit of bending got me back in using that card. That's just good design. And that is really mm-hmm. important. For, not only is it good design, this. not only is it good design, it also goes to show that old technology still can work after this many years. It still works flawlessly. Yeah. Um, Albeit with a few missing event codes, but yeah, it still works. Yeah. Um, which I do want to fix that. Um, I have made a backup of all my ROMs and I'm going to be working on updating ROM. I'm going to see if I can update ROMs to support newer codes. If not, just make them a little bit more modern. Um, I'm also working on, officially I can say it, I'm working on a hardware end deck. it is going to be a soft. It's basically my software end deck in a hardware box that has hardware relays and all that fancy stuff. And I'm Do you going know what to you're calling it yet. So far, it's just going to go along with the ERN deck, which is actually the official name of the software end deck. It's the ERN deck, but um, we we haven't yeah, the actually ERN full, deck by WACN Technologies. Yeah, we haven't actually decided on a full name. That that is just what we call it. But we we just call it the software end deck because it's a software ACN end deck. deck. <laughs> but basically, the idea the is I'm going of, to be following the idea of I want this thing to never go down, and if it does go down, it will it will tell you. It will let you know. The number of mm-hmm. monitors the software end deck has is yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm planning on the hardware end deck having a minimum minimum of 10 monitors. Oh god. Oh my goodness. 6 6 being uh no, sorry. Uh I'm I'm planning on having two being built-in radios, four being um baseband input and 
yes being um, software. I haven't decided how many software ones I want yet. Um, I am hopefully going to have a software number that makes any other end deck look ridiculous. So I want there to be a minimum of 10, which will allow you to have um, two radio, at least four baseband. There's your normal six. Um, but then an X amount of software. I think I'm, I think I might limit it to something like 20 software monitors. If Which not, maybe crazy. a little bit more. Yeah. 20, 25 software monitors. The reason why I want to put a limit on there is not because I want to be like, Hey, I don't want you to have more than 20 monitors. No, that's not it. But it's, I'm dealing with slower software, the slower hardware here. So also, you don't um, want it to break. Yes. I don't want, uh, like, for example, John John can vouch that if you put too many monitors into the software end deck, it, it will start to get angry at you. <laughs> if you don't have enough RAM, it will literally start throwing random errors up. Yeah. But it will get I'm angry at, at you. I'm currently at, I think, 100 and, uh, let me check. I'm currently at uh, 121 monitors, and it has not died yet. Yeah, I can tell you 16 gigs of RAM gives you a pretty bonkers amount of monitors. For example, for another program that I'm in, uh, John and Emma know what I'm talking about. I'm currently running around 230 monitors. I'm monitoring the entire state of Wisconsin. Every single radio station that has a stream in Wisconsin, I'm monitoring it. So (laughs) that gives you an idea of just how much 16 gigs of RAM on an M1 Mac, which isn't officially supported by all the software I'm running, but it still works <laughs> and still gives you a hundred and what, 230 monitors. And I can go way higher. It's just, I feel not, and you feel and, like and not you have, killing and my Mac. you uh, put all those monitors in and you have still yet to get a weekly. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, um, a good idea is, um, I want to at least have like a hundred, not, not a hundred, but like maybe, maybe limit at 50. Cause I'm planning on, I don't know if I want to go something like a raspberry Pi or a latte Panda, or if I want to go something like what Daz has done, where it's like a, a more specialist motherboard that has like GPIO mm-hmm. and stuff built in. Um, I'm leaning towards Latte Panda because it allows me to program it. And Latte Pandas are stupid fast, but they're also pretty expensive. We're talking $200 for one board. And mm-hmm. for development purposes, I want to keep this end deck cheap, like relatively cheap. Um, I still do want to make a profit because making a profit allows me to make more end decks. Because if you think about it, if I if I build an end deck and then sell it for the exact same price, I'm at a loss. I just make I'm at, I make the exact price of that end deck. I'm not taking into account any resources I use to build it. I'm not taking in in account any like power that I needed to do any of my time. So if I if I sell it back for like the price of the end deck plus 15-20% more, you know, all I need mm-hmm. to do is sell five index. Boom! I've recovered my cost, and I can yep. I can then I well I've recovered the cost for each index, but then I can keep making more index. Um, yeah. But yeah, 
the idea is I'm going to make it as reliable as possible, as cheap as possible. I want this end deck to be cheaper than the Gorman Rudlick cap deck, which starts at a thousand. <laughs> starts. Starts. Yeah. Starts. Uh, well, it doesn't it, even start up. It doesn't work half the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so I think I think it's time to move back to the topic that uh, that this is this is more uh, not uh, Emma here. So uh, Emma, uh, I keep mixing the two names up, man. So alert ready in British Columbia was updated to include wildfires and floods. Yes, we had the um, we had the announcement about the same time as the. Uh, as the public test earlier this month. Um, so in the past, the province actually severely underutilized um, the alert ready system. In my opinion, I mentioned earlier on the flooding that hit the Fraser Valley really badly in November and how the system was never activated for that. It was also never activated for the really bad wildfires that we had last year in the interior of the province. Well, mm. they have announced that this year that is changing on both fronts. Now, not only will the system be used for tsunami warnings and amber alerts, it will also be used for flood warnings and for wildfires. And starting next month, they're also going to use it for extreme heat events. So if we have another heat dome that pushes our temperatures up towards, um, up towards the 40 degree mark, and that's Celsius for the record. I know uh, I know the Canadian stereotype is that we're, we love our icebox up here, but 40 Fahrenheit is still cold here. <laughs> yeah. But... Wasn't yeah, it... Uh, the, so, they, so they implemented floods right away, correct? And then they... Uh, they're and, implementing wildfire in June, right? Floods and wildfires are implemented now. Extreme heat, the intention is to implement it next month. That's what okay. um, Mike Farnsworth, our uh, Minister of Public Safety, said. Okay. Minister of Public Safety just sounds like an amazing job. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's essentially, he's essentially the provincial emergency manager. <laughs> Yo, my job is to make sure you're safe. Yep. Yeah, the uh, our Ministry of um, Public Safety oversees uh, a variety of things here. Um, at the federal, uh, I mean, uh, just at the provincial level, they are the, the minister is in charge of the police, fire, the BC ambulance service, road safety, and oh. the and public alerting. Wow. Sounds like any normal EOC, but just one guy. Yep. Well, he has an entire government department under him, but yes. Yeah. Could you just imagine if it's just that one guy controlling the oh entire <laughs> Oh my goodness, that would I be. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know that. I I don't know. I I feel like uh, I feel like if that were the case, I would have to decline any offers to join cabinet down in Victoria. Just I feel yeah. like. Uh, just like Emma, for them. Uh, please tell me that they won't start doing a, like, please make sure that they won't start doing a New Hampshire daily tests. Oh, that's gosh. Alberta. That's Alberta no, that, now. That's Alberta. Alberta has done a daily silent test of their, of Alberta emergency alert for years. But yeah. unlike New Hampshire, those, uh, those don't really go anywhere. Like yes. I've seen them show up in the logs on, um, 
on the open broadcaster that I have on my personal, on my ERN station, but they, no one relays them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The system even generates TTS for them, but no one relays them. Yeah. Hmm. I'm so glad we blocked uh, New Hampshire's. I mean, well, doesn't, doesn't Marley send them? I'm so, I'm so glad that everyone with sophisticated filters has blocked the New Hampshire state police and the New Hampshire department of Homeland security. So when I I, I first joined a Hampshire emergency alert system. Yeah. Funny story. So for, I'm pretty sure. uh, I'm pretty sure every single participant in NERP still sends New Hampshire because. I don't know. I don't pay attention enough. Yeah, when I, when, I fir- I when I first got into ERN, it was uh, someone told me, I can't remember exactly who, told me to put uh, the state of New Hampshire's FIPS code in my TFT auto relay. Probably Marley. <laughs> Probably yeah, Marley. No, it was, it was Marley, yeah. And uh, I wish I would have monitored her while we while I first joined because I would have been pretty Marley funny. Told me, Marley told me I should sell my GR units. I'm like, I could, but... Just, I could, should, but... Hey, I'll the it doesn't work half the time. All WACN Technologies will formally formally take your GR unit just to reverse engineer it and just laugh at GR for making bad index. <laughs> I mean, they already have so. Yeah, no. Better I yet, will continue to laugh GR at them unit. for making bad bad index. I just <laughs> I I want to reverse engineer the GR. You know, it's really funny. I have I have opened up all my units except for the EAS dash one. I have not opened it up yet. I've I've opened up everything except for the GR stuff because the GR stuff is, you know, you'll break God it help me. More. God help me. I don't want to know what's in there. Probably just the, the hamster on the wheel. <laughs> that, the, no, that's the, the ultimate, TFT fuses. No, the TFT fuses are really good. I was just stupid. Yeah. I'm always stupid, but that was mega stupid. The but, ultimate but, but, power move would be to sell your GR units to the New Hampshire State Police, and then we don't have to put <laughs> up with them anymore. <laughs> How could their alerts get out? Oh no! Perfect gamer oh, move. <laughs> we uh, we should talk about how bad GRs are by like the example of that um, station the other day that tried to send one tornado warning, and it took them fourteen tries to actually get the alert out. Like they sent I did see that, 14 yeah. headers, 14 or 14 sets of headers. That means 14 sets of three headers and a tension tone. And they took that long. It took them like a good, what, 17 minutes to actually send the alert. Yeah. Something that's like another, that. Yeah. That's just well, crazy. You want to know Here's how bad thing, a though. GR is? There's your explanation. Answer. Here's the thing, though. If it was 14 sets of three headers. Now, granted, it's been a long time since I've studied my multiplication tables, but the last time I remember, 14 times 3 was 42. So clearly, the Gorman Redlick EAS 1 is the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (sighs) Now, here's the question How many many EOMs? Hey, Emma. How many EOMs did it send? Emma. Wasn't it only three? Yes. Yes. It only sent. No, 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 no. I, I think it sent like it sent like a total of like four or five sets of EOMs. It, it, it barely oh sent EOMs. But hey, Emma, the EOM what is the essence moment? of sin? KCAM. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I I swear I I swear if that station wasn't in the middle of nowhere in rural Alaska, I I'm pretty sure there would be people monitoring it just for the meme, just Wait, to see if they if there could be similarly amusing coincidences on air the next time Alaska does a monthly test. This is the required monthly test of the emergency alert system for the entire state of Alaska. Effective until 4.10 p.m. Or whatever time it was. I'm going to side note this, but the only, so I, I consider MNET two types of MNETs, the short MNET and the long MNET. The short MNET is the, you know, the short, you know, the crappy one. But the long MNET is the AT&T mic stuff, which I know is, which we finally know is actually MNET because it's MNET. And... It's actually more sophisticated than you'd think because when WQLN took a flash flood warning earlier, instead of saying 12.33 p.m., it said effective until tomorrow at 33 minutes past midnight, which <laughs> I would never expect it to say that, but it said it. It, it, it said it. I have the audio. It said it. I always MNET. liked the shorter version more, and that's probably well, fortunate considering that that's all I ever heard in Georgia. Georgia, the Georgia stations worships. there only took that instead of NWR. Well, if you like the long version and you just like the crisp, nice Craig voice or the AT&T mic voice, it's perfect. It says debris and Don T when it says those two words. It's turn around. Excellent. Don T drown. Don T drown. Well, to be fair, to be fair, Peachtree City's NWR says it that way, too. <laughs> that's true speaking of things that don't work uh let's you guys want to move on to the next topic oh sure. boy my favorite oh what now right. <clears throat> so excuse me there so we got a false we alert in la county oh boy i can feel this one so let me read out this article here by la times so uh yeah the uh we alert said uh Chevy Chase Canyon residents safely evacuate your home and proceed to ev- evacuation site located at Glendale Community College parking lot B. There was no emergency. The alert was sent in air as part of a pre-planned safety drill. And then they had to send a follow-up via saying, disregard safety alert, training exercise only. This kind of gives me uh, vibes of the uh, the Hawaii false missile alert, but way more calm <laughs> I hey, feel honestly, like I know how this happened. I feel honestly, I know exactly how this happened. You you can't get mad at them for for messing it up. Like like mm-hmm. mistakes are of human nature. I mean, exactly. I, I've done I've done something similar where like whenever I first got my fancy Google phone, um, it was helping me set up like the life safety thing. So it's like I click the power button five times and it'll automatically call the cops after fifteen seconds. The issue is, like, it, you can go into a menu to test that. What it doesn't tell you is you need to click the cancel button as soon as it comes up. Because otherwise, like, what happens is you click the power button once and it closes down the screen. And you click it four more times and it brings up the real screen. So what mm-hmm. wound up happening is it took me doing this to realize, oh, crap. I just actually called the cops. Like, I Once I didn't again, realize what happened. I didn't realize what happened until I heard nine one one. What's your emergency? And I was like, 
click. <laughs> then they called me. No, no, no. I, I realized it started to dial out and I immediately hung up. And then they, they called me back and I was like, oh, yeah, it's just my phone. They're like, yeah, it happens all the time. So <laughs> once um, again, more documentation should be yeah. given. <laughs> yeah. But it's like I'm I not feel, uh, I'm not surprised. Maybe they were setting up a new WIA system or they were training some new people. And they mm-hmm. just I, didn't realize they were in their actual public I have, a, I have a suspicion, and it's something like that. I talked to an emergency manager up in Baltimore County that does a lot of, like, alert system knowledge. And they have a – it has most alert distribution networks, like Everbridge and OneNet, have a live environment and test environment. Yes. And they probably forgot to set it to test environment because that typically goes to the FEMA test iPod server. So they must have accidentally sent it to the live one. Like once a blue alert got sent out for all of, uh, of uh, I believe it was uh, Missouri once, and it was a test alert, and it sent out the live blue alert uh, WIA code to like the entire state of Missouri. So it's... Not you're not the only one, LA County. You're not the only one. I mean, if you actually tune into the iPods live environment, uh, if you tune into the iPods test environment, it's insane. Like you literally, that. like if you tune into the into the dev environment, you get like alerts back to back to back. Like it's like every fifteen minutes they send a uh, an earthquake warning. It's weird. Um, New Hampshire demo. That's honestly where they should send it. <laughs> Like, honestly, there's a reason why the dev environment exists. They're just... Is there a way to, like, see that? The the dev environment? Yeah. Sadly, no. You need an iPods key. Damn it. Well, you have an iPods key, but, like... Yeah, I I have an iPods key for ERN. We actually got an iPods key for development of our software cap deck. But, um iPods keys are basically like a password. You don't want other people knowing them. So understandable. Mm-hmm. Set the log. I, didn't, I didn't remember you guys had a logger for that at one point in the in the channel. Yeah, I could set that up again. I mean, it's fun. I remember. I remember seeing Fairfax County sending a blue alert, and I'm like, wait. Since when do you pricks have iPods capabilities? <laughs> yeah. never, Fairfax County has never used iPods once. It's so funny. Well, there's yeah, the first of, time for everything. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of uh, first time for everything, uh, 911 authority in Colorado Springs uh, overshot an alert uh, through WIA and it sent, well, there was, so they sent out a fire warning over WIA. And so there was about 20 homes in the path of a fire and, but it ended up sending it to over 500 homes. So I feel like it's it's the same situation there, but yeah. your polygon needs more. Your yeah, polygon needs more polygons. Yeah, exactly. Polygon inside of a polygon, but the system is out of commission until an investigation is complete. I haven't um, seen any more updates on it, but what I feel like it could have done is, um, if you know how Wheel works, um, they it, it basically selectively targets cell towers that send out those messages. So what could mm-hmm. have happened is they went to send out the message, right? Uh, they select it, but it selected cell towers on like the brink or maybe like one out of the of the area, and maybe they hit like a little bit more 
of the area that they were that they were intending, like set off a few cell towers that covered quite a bit more area, you know? So uh, it was I probably just the, there can, was maybe uh, one tower that just barely overlapped in. Yeah. And that's so one there was that a you few. can't really avoid. Yeah, maybe there's a few. So that's um that's one of my major concerns because I've been watching with fire season. I've been watching a lot of these a lot of these wheel alerts that have gone out, and I've been very concerned because a lot of them, the local authorities are are putting out messages that are remarkably vague. Like instead of saying, instead of telling you that there's a fire in that residence with uh, that residence in and near x road y road z road need to evacuate to this location they'll just say evacuation warning prepare to leave call xyz number for more information and at that Mm -hmm. point if you have a geofencing issue like that you're going to create you're going to create panic (laughs) well well there's there's i actually again with that same person and also reading through the ipods requirements it's very difficult sometimes i'm not saying like for everyone but like like there are still phones that only had ninety characters of wireless burns to it instead of three hundred sixty that are now more common. So if they if they use that weird text to further iPods like EAS type alert, it's why like why like I know like you could just have a specific text for the EAS and have a specific text for the wireless emergency alert if you wanted to and have like the EAS be more specific and more like full information which they should do but yeah exactly. that's one that's one big thing about i know ipos training like be specific but don't be too vague um you can be too vague one, you can't get the message passed one thing that i i do know for a fact um because we actually i had to deal with this whenever programming there's two separate areas for that there is a cmam text and cmam long text um, that's what we use for our, um, our ERN logging system. If the long text doesn't exist, we use a short text. If the short text, uh, if the long text does exist, you use that. So mm-hmm. basically what if you, you can actually, do uh, is you can have you a short go. message saying call XYZ number, um, for, for information of this alert for like more for specific details. That would make sense for the short text. Don't put that mm-hmm. in the long text. The long text yeah. has enough characters to put the entire description. Mm-hmm. If you actually go on the warn.pbs.org website and you look at all of the uh, wireless emergency alerts, like I just pulled up one from the San Miguel County. And it has both a long and short WIA. Yeah. And they're not, like, very, very specific. But, like, the long ones, like, immediate evacuations for these towns, evacuation route to this. And the short one just lists the locations, which is a little bit difficult to understand. But the long WIA text is definitely better. But... Like I said, the short is 90 characters. So you got to work with what you got. So it's difficult. I have the pain. I understand. <laughs> I understand it happens sometimes. Yeah, exactly. I honestly feel like what they should do 
is he, they should use both of them. And honestly, the only time that says call XYZ number, the only time it makes sense is if you're doing it in the short text. Because mm-hmm, then true. what they can do is it just say, like, for example, evacuate evacuation warning. Um, evacuate this, uh, uh, like, fire, like send, a, send an evacuation warning, like EVI. And then in the description of the short text, fire warning, like a fire evacuation, call this number for more info in the short text. You can also, in the long you text, can also. In the long text, say fire evacuation from this road to this road to this road. Go to here. Evacuate now. You could also uh, link a website too because the WIA supports uh, URL websites now. Yeah. So you can like – I've seen it a couple of times. Like it links a website and if you go to that website, there's a map, like maps, like yeah. maps information, zones affected and like instructions. And like if you need if you need an assistance, call this number or like for more information, call this number. So like yeah. if you link a website, accessibility is okay. Information is a lot better than just the WIA. So the WIA, the WIA is a supplemental to the website as well. And as well, on top of the WIA, you'll have your own county-based level alerting systems, like like alerts from your county. Like mine's Fairfax Alerts. Like it's like county-based systems hosted by the one and only Everbridge or one or uh, Armsolve. Mm-hmm. Everbridge is better. Another you know, thing. It, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Continue. <laughs> You know, this actually has me thinking back to um, this really fascinating document I read uh, not too long ago. It was from the Australian Institute for Disaster Resilience, and it was talking about how they should be building emergency warnings there for things like bushfires and such. It, it's, um, it was very interesting because a lot of their advice went directly against how we approach warnings here in North America, but it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Like when they are, when they talk about the language to use, they say that they say that you should personalize the message. So instead of saying, instead of saying, um, for instance, for instance, um, people and animals outdoors will be injured. Then it could be, if you are outdoors, you could be injured. And mm-hmm. instead of saying property, say home. And don't talk about death explicitly. Just say there's a risk to lives and homes. It was very interesting. But when they got into ge- into geography was when it really started going against the grain. Because their number one piece of advice was do not warn based on local government. So do not warn based on counties. Do not warn based on the, you know, um, I forget what the county equivalent are, equivalents are in Australia. I think it varies by state. But hmm. yeah, don't don't warn that, based on that. It was That is sad but true because Virginia tried to send an Amber Alert and the part of their Amber Alert circle went into West Virginia and it literally crashed their alerting software because they couldn't alert for West Virginia. It literally crashed their software. <laughs> it's really well, funny. They, they told me it too. I'm like, what the fuck? You literally have a giant system here and it can't do one thing. It's to get the wireless alert out. Well, here here's the thing. Here's their logic. 
when they did when they did research, they found that a lot of people were not entirely aware of what local government area they were in. And it makes That's a lot true. of sense to me, especially if you're getting the warning and you don't live there. You might not know that you're in Fairfax County, but you're going to know that you live in Chantilly. Or you might Pretty not much. know that you're in Cascade County, but you're going to know that you're by Malmstrom Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so in that sense, that's the biggest. Yeah, in that sense, it makes a lot of sense. And they talk about they talk about that the more specific you can make it, the 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 better. better. You need to, and how, like, let's say. I'm thinking, let's say that there, let's say that, um, I know that there isn't one, but let's say that there's a nuclear power plant in, um, in Waukesha and they have an emergency there. There, then what, then the advice that they give is start name, uh, start naming in, in, um, rings going out proximity to the threat. So name off towns that would be affected as like Waukesha, Pewaukee, Brookfield, New Berlin, Sussex, Dowsman, um, so on and so forth. I'm kind of running out of town names in that area. <laughs> but it was very um it was a very different approach. But honestly, considering considering how many um instances we've seen, like James Spann has talked about this, that so many of people who watch him don't know what county they're in in Alabama. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I think it as will, well, and, and I think uh, it would help with circumstances like this where you have geofencing problems. Yeah, the more specific true. you can make it, the better. Huh. Oh, and as we always like to say, be prepared and know where you are. Those yeah. are the important things. Know where you are. Yes, there is no substitution for simple spatial awareness. <laughs> I know, right? Mm-hmm. Me, me, and like every single theme park, be like, "Where is the bathroom?" You could never find those. Oh my god! <laughs> I swear to God, you literally can't. Have you heard of a pool? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh God! Who hasn't? Who hasn't? Who hasn't? <laughs> yeah, when when I was when I when I was old enough to understand just what went on at water parks with regards to that, I suddenly regretted every time I'd ever gone into the pool at Water Country USA. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> all right. Well, I think with that, I think it's uh, we're about time to wrap up. Uh, what do you guys think? You guys got anything else you guys would like to talk about, or I think uh, that, yeah, I think we ticked make all the a boxes. Butter interface. <laughs> well, I mean, the one, the one, the one big thing for me is if you're in DC and you rely on DC for the monthly EAS test, and you're not licensed to near or in DC, you are now required to relay your state monthly test which will either be virginia or maryland depending on which side of the annoying river you live on so yeah have have fun don't don't break your index uh, uh not like someone's already done that but yeah uh, DC stuff. <laughs> wsbn <laughs> also here's my tip to any any manufacturer who decides to listen to this for some reason don't use proprietary power connectors i will hunt you down <laughs> <laughs> do you want to mention that briefly before we before we take yeah, off here I, I bought a Marshall screen it had a proprietary connector that pissed me off so I decided to take it out 
because it's a proprietary <laughs> connector that I absolutely hate. So I took it out. So did yeah. you replace it with like just two two wires? Yeah, it's just two wires poking out the back, and I'm hopefully gonna re- be replacing them with like a terminal blocky thing. But until then, nice. yeah, it's just two wires hanging out the back. But yeah, as you like to say, if you're a you manufacturer like say, and you use proprietary connectors, I will hunt you down. Yep. Anna is literally the definition of modern problems required modern solutions. I swear. I it swear. Exact, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, look, look at the end deck. It's yeah. like, like, she, like she said in missing like, like wrong. She said in, I'm going to make my own bitch. <laughs> end deck issues. It, I'm going to make my own. Yeah. When in doubt, set it on fire. That's the solution yes. to everything. All right. Um, yeah, I think it's time to uh, wrap up there. So yes, yeah. okay. Yeah, so if you would like more information on the the Guest ERN network, you could check out guest-eas.network. If you're looking for more information on Guest, you could go to globaleas.org. And I, yeah, we're switching to a to a weekly schedule now. So we hope. I I know we <laughs> I, I know we sound kooky, but we know what we're talking about mostly. Most of the time, mostly. Most yeah. Most, we cannot confirm. I mean, but we have a good idea. Three, three our, out of four people in here actually work at or volunteer for stations, so mm-hmm. we know what we're talking about. And then we have John. <laughs> I, I just, and then we just have me, who just, who just talks to, who just knows people. Yeah, John just talks directly to the NWS because he feels like it. Um, I talk directly to WTOP's uh, engineer director and also to a lot of people in emergency management. So I know, I know a couple things. I know a couple things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you if you're like minded like us, you could join the net. You could apply to join the network at uh, guest-eas.network. We'd uh, we love to hear from you. We love yeah, to like, join, we love join more the new people. Join, we love join us. the new people. If you join if you join. Us. If join you us. join, you'll have a a, a less a, a greater than ten percent chance of getting a software end deck. You greater cannot join with chance. a software end deck, though. You Hard have a greater than five percent. You have a you have a greater than five percent chance of losing your mind within the first ten minutes of joining. Yep, Maybe. but you'll get a free virtual cookie, so that makes know, it worth right? it. We love we love free cookies. You want a cookie? Join your end. No promise yeah, of thanks. cookie though. <laughs> So yeah, thank thanks to everyone for uh, listening to this video. Thank yes. you, John and Emma, for joining the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having Happy me. It was to great be having here. you guys here. We hope, yeah, hope that we can have you again sometime soon. But yeah, this yes. is the uh, Guess ERN podcast, and we will see you next week. Ciao.